Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, August 15th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Thursday and we are back on schedule, which we are, that means 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, is here. Steve, how goes it? Daniel, it's going terrific. A beautiful day here in the Indianapolis suburbs, sending this weather down 70 to my good friends in Columbus. Stopping through Dayton on the way. It is pleasant here today. It looks like we're going to get about a Colorado-style day. Temperate, not too humid. We love it. Good practice weather for the Buckeyes. topic we're going to start with today has probably to deal with more balmy temperatures, and that is, of course, the number one story in college football. Tathan Martell, Ohio State, transferred to Miami, was beaten out by Jaron Williams for the starting quarterback position. I read today that Tate has not even been promised the backup job. He is in a battle for that with Nicozy Perry. These are likely names every Buckeye fan knows quite well from the recruiting process. When this happened and my phone blew up, one of the texts was from Steve Wiltfong. Steve, we spoke right after that. Please pass along to the people your feeling when Tate Martell was named or not named the starter at the U. Well, there's no shame in losing the job to Jaron Williams, a top 247 quarterback, a young man that we had ranked higher than Tate Martell coming out of high school, a guy that Ohio State really pushed for uh, down the stretch, um, Ryan Day and company did. Um, but Jaron Williams uh, visited Miami the weekend that they pummeled Notre Dame in a night game. Um, so you guys know what those atmospheres are like. In Columbus, it was a similar deal uh, at, at Miami. And, it was a big recruiting weekend, and Jaron Williams fell in love with Mark Richt and his son and uh, picked, picked the Hurricanes. No shame in losing the job to JT Barrett or or, or transferring uh, with Justin Fields as well. Um, obviously, um, distinguished signal callers coming out of high school themselves. For, for Tate Martell, he was a terrific high school football player, undefeated, uh, but played at a powerhouse. He was surrounded by great players. Uh, as well at, at Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman, about as well-coached a high school team you're going to find with as good of facilities as you're going to find. And, and uh, I, I thought Martel was a three-star coming out of high school. Uh, mentioned it on the Bucknuts Morning 5 before, so there's receipts on this comment. It's not just being said now. But there's nothing wrong with being a three-star. It means I think you're a Power 5 starter uh, at a major school. Um, but for Tate, uh, just not as good as the, the guys that uh, – He's competing with. Who knows? Maybe he'll still prove me wrong this year. Just because he's not starting the opener doesn't mean that he won't start in week five or week six. But he's he's a guy that was on the on the sh- smaller side uh, height wise, wasn't as athletic as you know a Kyler Murray or a Russell Wilson or guys that you point to with that stature uh, that that um, play um, play the game at a high level. Uh, I mean, Tate Martell looks more like your second baseman or your, or your catcher. He's built more like a baseball player. Um, obviously, he can run the football and, and make things happen in that regard. But thought 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 he was a three-star recruit coming out, and I'm not surprised that he's not winning these jobs. And last thing I'll say on it, but I, hearing from a, a source uh, down around the Miami program, 
way before this decision came out, it, it seemed like Tate was running third behind Jaron and Nikosi. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that you led this off saying he hasn't been promised the number two job. I actually feel bad for Tate in this case. I think he's a victim of his own celebrity here. You already touched on it. Jaron Williams is a better football prospect than Tate. The idea that Tate didn't beat him out down in Miami, the national hub of it received, was likely more due to Tate being a household name rather than the fact that uh, he played poorly. You mentioned it. Ohio State made a serious push for Jaron Williams down the stretch. If you go back and look at some of the Elite 11 stuff, he was great there. We talked a little bit about this. He was on Trevor Lawrence's team at the Elite 11, and some people thought he outplayed him there. He came out in a year when Georgia had an unbelievable run of quarterbacks, and I think that kept Jaron Williams' name down as well. Emory Jones was it was in that group out of Georgia, along with Trevor Lawrence and some others. So, so I just feel bad for Tate because I understand why he chose Miami, but anyone who thought he was just going to go down there and be handed the starting job hadn't done their research. It makes more sense for them to go with the guy that they brought in originally anyway in Jaron Williams. So I feel bad for Tate. I could easily see him bouncing uh, if he's named. Well, if Nikozi Perry is named the primary backup, that's kind of an embarrassing situation. I would hope he grinds it out. Otherwise, I think you're going to see him starting at a double-A-type school. I was going to say, I think Ohio State needs to go get a second quarterback in this class. I mean, when you look at what they have on the roster right now, you have Justin Fields and and Gunnar Hoke as your only scholarship guys. You're bringing in Jack Miller. I think that you need to have at least three scholarship quarterbacks on your roster. And, and the name that comes to mind for me is C.J. Stroud, uh, a top 247 quarterback out of Rancho Cucamonga who won the Elite 11 this, uh, this past year at the opening finals. And talking to my colleague Greg Biggins, he seems to think that there's there's some interest in in Ohio State and uh, talking to C.J. Stroud myself at the opening finals. He said Oregon and Ohio State would be the dream offers, and he had actually talked to Ryan Day that week while he was at the opening finals, uh, having such a terrific performance. I think that Ohio State needs a second quarterback for depth purposes, um, and, and uh, <clears throat> it's thin behind Fields right now from a guy that. There's obviously no young guy right now that you point to and say that's the future of the team. they got to bring someone in alongside Jack Miller, in my opinion. You don't have any concerns about bringing in another quarterback in a class with Jack Miller? Most teams have four scholarship quarterbacks on their roster. Ohio State right now has two. I get that, but I'm concerned about Jack Miller and that do you yeah, add I, one well, and minus two. Look, I say this not knowing how Jack Miller would respond to that, but and, and hell, maybe they brought it up to him and he said no way, and they're like, well, fine, we can't take two. But I don't know, man. Uh, Ohio State, that's that's one room where they're thin, the only room. Given that, let's get a little bit more of a general update on C.J. Stroud's recruitment. Who else is in the mix? Well, uh, I talked to him this week. Uh, Oregon did recently offer, although I'm not – even though he called that a dream offer – Sounds like talking to, to Biggins, Ohio State would maybe be in a better position uh, because I don't know if CJ is excited to be part of a two-quarterback class. Baylor's a school I'm really looking at right now for CJ. He took a visit there this summer, had a gr- really good visit. Uh, they're doing a terrific job recruiting him. Uh, they're expected to get him back for an official visit. So Baylor is a school that's in the mix. He's also always talked highly about Utah, Washington State. So those are, those are a couple others um, for uh, the multi-sport athlete who is also a good basketball player. 
We'll be right back with a look at the Ohio State schedule and where a possible pitfall could be with 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, Steve Wolfong. And we're back. Every year we break down the schedule and we look for possible pitfalls. Obviously, Ohio State has had some well-publicized toe stubbings over the last few years that has kept them from achieving their ultimate goal. As you look at the schedule, Steve, give me three spots where you're concerned for Ohio State. Well, I think there's four games that Ohio State theoretically could lose. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm predicting them to be eight and four. Um, but I think at Nebraska, September 28th is the first game you circle. I mean, Nebraska came into Columbus last year and gave them hell. Uh, and that was a, at the, at the time, I think Nebraska had only won one, one or two ball games, um, 36 to 31 in, in November. Uh, that was when Nebraska started playing well. And I, I want to say Nebraska even got, their lunch handed to them the week before. Um, so at Nebraska, uh, Michigan State's going to be re- uh, really good on de- defense this year, uh, and they were they had a lot of injuries on offense last year. Lewerke, the they were missing some of their playmakers. Um, uh, so Michigan State uh, in Columbus, that's that's one that I'll be uh, looking at as well. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to roll Wisconsin. Um, I uh, look at Penn State. The last three games have been battles uh, between those those teams and Ohio State. I, I believe Ohio State has trailed in all three of those games and obviously lost one of them. They definitely trailed in all three. What am I talking about? And, and uh, had to pull pull two of them out in the fourth quarter. Uh, so Penn State, November 23rd, and then of course at Michigan. Um, uh, those games have been some of those games have been slobber knockers. It's a rivalry game. Michigan's going to be really good this year. So. Those are the four games I look at and say those are potential L's, uh, but by no means am I predicting eight and four uh, for the Buckeyes. I think that they're the most talented team in the Big Ten. A lot of people are pointing to the Friday, October 18th game at Northwestern in Evanston. It's a Friday night kickoff. Ohio mm-hmm. State struggled mightily on the road at Purdue last year in a national game. Obviously, it's going to be Northwestern Super Bowl. You don't see that as a huge issue. No, I, I think that all the chips fell in the place for Purdue that night. I don't, I don't know if there's that kind of magic uh, in Evanston for that. I mean, you're talking about the Purdue game, night game, Tyler Trent. Um, I've been inside ross Eight Stadium for sellouts. That, I mean, that's a legit environment. Um, Northwestern has yet to prove to me that they can have that kind of home field advantage for a ball game. And they don't have Rondell Moore. Notre Dame went in there and beat Northwestern at night last year. Um, it was kind of a methodical win, if I remember correctly. At the very least, that's what I'm expecting uh, for Ohio State, kind of just a methodical win over the Wildcats, if not a drubbing. I mean, North, Ohio State's capable of, of just smoking people. You know, We'll see how it comes together this year. Uh, pretty inexperienced offensive line. Uh, love the receiver room. Love the running back room. Love the potential of Justin Fields. Um, the defense should be really good. I'm expecting the defense to be good. And the linebackers to be better, led by my main man, my new main man for Ohio State football, Pete Werner out of Indianapolis, uh, taking the torch from Terry McLaurin. Who, by the way, has done quite well for himself in Washington. I'm sure you know that. Yep, we're Redskins fans at the Wiltfong House, a lot of family from the D.C. area. 
It's a fine, fine place to raise a family. This is where we will end it. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Not too much talk on the recruiting front, people. Things have quieted down a little bit. We know that will pick up, and we'll be the place to find it. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Bucknutters.